Welcome to the family with Tevin Pittman, co-host Catherine Brandt, and Andy Rampernard. We'll be right back. Our special guest, Dr. De- Devin Fergus, promoting the book Land of the Fee, Hidden Costs and the Decline of the American Middle Class. Ooh, this ought to be really, really interesting. Dr. Fergus joins us right after this with the family. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Doodly, 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 doodly. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, with the family. Is Dr. Fergus ready to go? Yep. Dr. Devin Fergus, the land of the fee, hidden costs in the decline of the American middle class. Are we still in decline or is it just gone, doctor? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know what, I thought I was pessimistic, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well. (laughs) Well, I'd say it's it's still here, narrowing a bit, absolutely, um, and precarious, uh, but but still here, uh, thank thank goodness. And, and, and again, we've gone through ebbs and flows as a a nation, as a society before late 19th century, early 20th, um, and and so, so, um, so context is useful. Yeah, well, I can understand that. The loans ordinary Americans take out to purchase homes and attend college often leave them in a sea of debt, as Devin Fergus explains in Land of the Fee. A not insignificant portion of that debt comes in the form of predatory hidden fees attached to everyday transactions. Beginning in the 1980s, lobbyists for the financial industry helped dismantle consumer protections, resulting in surreptitious fees, often waived for those who can afford them, but not for those who can't. So wonderful. If you can afford them, we'll get rid of them, but if you can't afford them, we'll just drive you right into the pavement. That's yes, yes. That's um, pretty much uh, the, the way the, the the game is played, and and particularly uh, I sense that um, uh, one of the primary targets of markets is actually younger people. Uh, we, we see this with even things like payday lenders. Actually, we're targeting, let's say, military installations. Uh, mm-hmm. But why? Because of often the military installations have very young people with very little experience with 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 credit. Um, but with a steady paycheck coming from the federal government to become sort of a primary mark, actually, uh, for payday lenders. And so, so they also play, uh, prey upon those um, with, with who, who aren't very familiar with, uh, with the way credit and finance uh, works, actually. No, uh, what period of the 1980s? Was it early 80s, mid-80s, late 80s when this happened? Sure, oh, primarily early early 80s. And, and, and there's sort of a, it's a rolling sort of effect, and so... Uh, in, in early '80s, we see the really the first onset of financial deregulation, the, and really the first major financial deregulatory law happens in 1980. It's a it's a law with uh, with a with a with a long name, and I'll stay <laughs> stay the details of it. 
Uh, but it has right, a very long right. name. And basically, what this law sort of does is it enables and empowers really the sort of the, the federal government to go in and to begin lifting uh, interest rate caps uh, in various states. Uh, because prior to each state almost has, a, has what's called a usury laws and usury caps, mm-hmm. which uh, prevent. Um, in theory, predation against consumers. And so in order for states, for the federal government to actually begin to have interest rates raised uh, via banks, first off, they have to go through states and be empowered to lift these rates. And this is what the law in the early 1980s sort of does. Uh, and then there are subsequent laws uh, to that one. So it really begins again in the early 1980s. So was this the, the so that would have been the Reagan administration, is that correct? Well, well actually, the, ver- the very first one starts under Jimmy Carter. And, and this is, and this is a, I'm so glad you brought it up. So the first one starts in a Jimmy Carter, and it actually has support among consumer groups. Um, I mean, elderly is an elderly consumer group out there in 1980, um, and they believe that by having the interest rate caps sort of lifted banks, that ultimately the the the, um, the revenue that's generated from these interest rate caps, so these profits generated from these interest rate caps, will trickle down to save the account holders, because this is what how it's explained to them basically by, by policymakers and lawmakers. And so the goal in part is not simply to raise these interest rate caps, but the belief is that by raising those caps, it's going to help actually boost the savings for average account holders. And by this period of time, the, the worker perception is that, that the savings rate for Americans is, has actually declined. It was actually low. Um, and so, I mean, if you want to look at it in a sort of ironic sort of sense, that the, first na- the nation's first sort of financial regulatory law was a law called DIDMA, Depository Institutions and Deregulation Monetary Control Act, 1980, was originally designed to help, really, to help um, Americans save money, not not to spend it or not to be driven into debt. And that's quite mm-hmm. ironic because so much of deregulation has actually driven more and more Americans into debt, has actually reduced their savings, has not increased it as the original law was designed to do. You know, it's so amazing. This is a bit off topic, but kind of reminds me of what's going on today. One thing I absolutely love, Doctor, is I love to watch the evening news <clears throat> on whatever network, and they're going on and on and on about health care. We have to do something about health care. We have to do something about these these predatory uh, 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 yeah, amounts that people are being charged. We've got to do something about health care in America. And then every break they go to is sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, it pre- pre- precisely, and um, I think that I mean, I think that's sort of really an excellent point. It illustration sheds the light of some of what, what, what people talk about the cognitive dissonance. Uh, so we all recognize yeah. and realize it's a problem at some level, but the behavior doesn't. Uh, the behavior sort of belies uh, the problem that exists. And I, I think we, we, many of us, myself included, uh, I, I do these things in my life. I might see things as a problem, but behave sort of differently. Um, and and it's, it's not a surprise that this is what, what happens. And so the critique is that we see, um, uh, again, health, health issues, the, the incredible cost of health care as a problem, but yet still, um, again, uh, we rely so heavily upon money from the industry, whether to, to fund commercials and, and to, yeah, to fund a network yeah. or, or, or whatever. So uh, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Doctor, do you think we'll ever get past all this? First of all, why don't the colleges step up and say, "No, no, let's not go with the uh, with the loan you're looking at"? Why don't they offer these students any help at all? I mean, not talking about financially, monetarily, but some advice. No, don't go with that loan because you're going to get buried in debt. Why don't they help these kids? Well, one of the reasons they they don't help the kids. I mean, two reasons I'd sort of say um, that's increasing because colleges themselves have been. Squeezed um, in terms of being able to generate revenue, uh, and, and so uh, really since the 1980s, uh, and we can sort of uh, go over this. Um, since the 1980s, states have been reducing the amount of funding given uh, to institutions per per, per, per student, really, and at least so not keeping up with the cost of inflation. And so increasingly, colleges have to rely upon. Uh, students really as as consumers, uh, and this is not simply in the in the in the U.S. I actually just uh, returned uh, last uh, this morning, actually like the wee hours of the morning from a, uh, from being in the U.K. and uh, in, in, in a town called Manchester, in the U.K. And even yeah. there, there were people who were talking about uh, this this working notion in the U.K. about students, uh, not as students, but as clients and, and customers and consumers, and so. The increasing view of students as consumers, people we need to uh, generate a ring 
profit out of revenue out of, and not necessarily um, uh, understanding that, that that students are aren't primarily uh, consumers. Really, the students are there to be to be taught and to be educated. So, colleges have had to find ways to generate revenue because states and the federal government has have really sort of reduced the funding or expenditure to to colleges, and so. So they try various ways, um, and so this also brings in um, a lenders, student lenders too, who come into play uh, increasingly. And so, colleges rely upon students now to raise revenue. Uh, they heavily rely upon private donors and and, and bank lenders. And, and actually, in the nineteen in the two thousands, there was a massive sort of scandal with various universities. When I say various universities, I mean universities across the country, from the the farthest corner in the northeast all the way to um, University of Hawaii, where students, where, where financial offices are caught up in many ways in, in kickbacks to these student lenders because they're trying to desperately raise revenue, raise funding uh, for the university. And so how do we, we, we change that incentive structure for universities where their primary incentive is not necessarily to go out there and find ways to raise revenue or profit, but to, to be more efficient as an as a institution? Uh, and then also to educate the the, the, the students who are in front of them. That's a, and that's a slightly different sort of question that um, universities have, have not really grappled with effectively. One thing I would love to see is all these big universities, particularly Harvard, but all of these big universities come together and not not fold the funds into one pot, but basically these huge endowments, like $40 billion at Harvard, why can't they lend money to students at a much lower rate? Because they'd still make money off their, their money. They wouldn't lose any money, but they could really help people who need help. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'd mean, sort of say that the, I mean, that the, the, the Harvards and the Yales and the princes of, of the world are, are the exceptions. I mean, they're able to actually uh, have... Uh, to have much more better means testing for students they enroll, who, and, and mm-hmm. so, uh, but the but the the bulk of the college student experience, you're one hundred percent sort of right. Uh, uh, but 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 again, as I sort of mentioned before, uh, colleges see themselves as being squeezed and a constant scrutiny by state legislators in terms of uh, showing uh, not showing loss or cutting or cutting or reducing expense or expenditure. Uh, and that, uh, and with that as the aim and objective, it doesn't necessarily redound to the benefit of the customer or the of the student. Um, and, and so, again, universities are now and really in the business of trying to generate uh, revenue, if not necessarily profit. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily redound to the benefit of the student. And so, uh, I think a, a much broader, broader, longer-term objective, not being so preoccupied with having in the in the second quarter, third quarter, or fourth quarter, but was happening five or ten years down the road. That kind of long-term outlook uh, is something that universities um, increasingly have not been able to do or been affected at doing. In part because of a lack of again, a lack of support from from public administrators. I'll, I'll give you a brief example too. I mean, uh, my sister, you're in, in Minnesota, Big Ten country. I used to teach at a, another Big Ten institution, uh, and 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 this Big Ten institution. In the 1980s, it projected that it wanted to actually reduce the cost of of a student what a student pays for college uh, by the end of the uh, by the end of the decade. Uh, and not only did that university um, not reduce the cost, but it more than doubled and tripled the cost. Um, uh, and and, um, and and yeah, and that's because they, again they were being pressured by by state legislators to to, to right. get lower. Um, to make their school more efficient, to try to raise to raise revenue, um, and so it's a skewed incentive structure uh, that really I think um, explains why the cost is burdened by the students so so much. Again, the cost is burdened by the students much more now than than let's say in the early 1980s, for instance. So another another sort of brief example. Um, again, it's for the, for a struggling family household, uh, struggling family household in early 19 early 1980s, late 1970s. Uh, they had a Pell Grant. That Pell Grant uh, could pay for basically uh, three, more than three quarters of a cost of a college degree, a college education. But by the end of the 1980s, with a different administration, a different sort of outlook, and a different agenda, um, that uh, that um, that Pell Grant paid for less than half of college education. Mm-hmm. And that trend continued of, of the of the reducing purchasing power of the Pell Grant. Uh, and then I'm going to sort of say this, and this is where 
uh, voters um, should be in part on the hook and held accountable. Um, and because there's little pushback or pushback or concern raised by voters, um, lawmakers continue down this sort of path. Um, and frankly, when, when at the federal level, um, uh, uh, people locally, the state elected officials, saw that there was no uh, there was no blame or criticism of federal officials who, again, who reduced the purchasing power of the Pell Grant, what made college more expensive in, in many ways. Um, state governments simply followed suit. Why? Because they thought there was no political consequence. Now, I'm going to juxtapose and compare that to raising taxes. Uh, and in the same sort of decade of the 1980s, while there's a reducing of the purchasing power of the Pell Grant, uh, reducing, uh, I mean, increasing the cost of college and increasing that burden on the student. The same 1980s, uh, George H.W. Bush uh, Trump made a pledge that he wouldn't raise taxes, right? <laughs> Under his administration, right. taxes get raised, and he gets heavily criticized within his party, uh, as well as by the oppositional party, for increasing taxes. So, um, no politician wants to be accused of raising taxes, even if it's for a good cause, let's say for financing primary, secondary, post-secondary education, right? So where you can get by if you're an elected official is basically by increasing the cost and expense of college, because that's going to create less public ire uh, than, let's say, raising, raising taxes. Uh, and, and so this is part of the, the conundrum um, that, that we face as a society, frankly. Uh, how do we have a how do we have a good conversation education about the value of taxes? Why taxes are needed, frankly, um, in in this day and age? That's a that's a conversation that really needs to be had at some level. But no, very few public officials want want to have that sort of conversation. Unbelievable. Land of the fee, hidden costs, and the decline of the American middle class. Dr. Devin Fergus, F-E-R-G-U-S, as in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. By the way, uh, not fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being on with you today. Nice having you on. Thank you. We'll be back with the family. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Chuck Nabla. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself, and with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, you can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. You're playing all of Tevin's favorite songs today. (laughs) This playlist is straight from my phone. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again to Dr. Devin Fergus. Hell of a nice man. But I just, 
I still think if you've got $40 billion in an endowment, why can't you lend money to students that don't even go to your university? You're still going to make money on your money. What's the problem? I thought the endowment uh, are put in some sort of an escrow thing, and it can't be actually touched yeah, or something. Well, that's the thing. reason. That, I don't know. That's the reason it can't be touched, so they don't have to do that. Well, it's yeah. like, okay, yeah. And also, raising taxes is, you know, for a good cause is great, but we never know if it's actually going to the good cause, right. do we? Yeah. No. yeah. Once um, they raise taxes, who knows yeah, where there, it might be? Yeah. There's no invoice report that nope. gets which would sent help out. a lot no. if right. there was. I, I don't understand why 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 we can't have like a, 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 a <clears throat> accounting system. Like this is where the money mm-hmm. is. This is where it went. Mm-hmm. These are the checks that were written, and not at all this grift and all this crap going all over the place, and who knows what's mm-hmm. happening. Well, another problem is that America does spend more than almost any other country in the world on education. It just doesn't work. So, you know, raising taxes for more education money is just going to put us even more ahead of everyone else, which clearly, you know, we spend thousands of dollars on education more than countries that are renowned for their education, like uh, Western Europe, Japan, Korea. Mm -hmm. So clearly money isn't the problem. No, it's not. No. But I do love that. The fact that they, on the news every night, they complain about health care and we got to do something about health care. Oh my God, health care. And then every commercial is from a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. Well, and just what we pay as a family for just having oh, insurance God. and everything. Oh, God. There, there's no reason why it needs to be that expensive for no. anybody. No. It's insane. I still love the fact that I'm on Medicare now, and it's more expensive than private insurance. You have the gall to keep working. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm still working. Yeah, so Medicare for all isn't really the answer, is it? No. No, it's it's not. All right, Tevin, you're going to have to answer for this next story, and it's all there is to it. You ready? I'm ready. Now... Their names are pretty disgusting, but I'm going to try to call them out. Probably not what you'd expect to hear from the announcer at a high school girls' basketball game. And yet here we are. The new Kirk Public Schools announcer, whose name has not been released by the district, was removed from his duties at halftime following the incident before Friday night's game between New Kirk and Crooked Oak in Oklahoma. News 9 reports he was announcing the Crooked Oak names when he made his comment, despite having reportedly gone over the visiting team's names and pronunciations with their coach multiple times before the game, which was captured in a video that has since gone viral. Did it have an effect? What made me feel very uncomfortable, I didn't want to play Crooked Oak player Jayana Wiggins said. But the team not only played, they won, taking home their school's first district championship more than two decades. It should be a very big accomplishment, but it's kind of getting taken away from us by something we had no control over. Something as simple as having different names, one of the players tells local news. Was it racist? The Washington Post says critics are calling the comment racist, but none of us have said that he is racist, one player's mom said. What we are saying is what he said was despicable, and the girls should have been given a public apology like they were demeaned publicly. Crooked Oak, which is near downtown Oklahoma City, has a student population that is 90% Tevlar. No, that's not what it says. 90% non-white. The city of Newkirk, 120 miles away, is more than 80% white. Or just an accidental slip-up. Supporters of the announcer whom the Oklahoman reports in his 80s, he's in his 80s, has worked for the district for decades, are describing him as an old, sweet, innocent man who was probably trying to say difficult when he uh, simply made a mistake. One said a disgusting uh, oh, he called, he called them their names disgusting? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, they're saying that he thought he, they were trying to say difficult, not disgusting. How? So what's this again? Is this a news story? <laughs> I know. 80 year old man misses. Wow. Yeah, really. our, uh, yeah our, our, our level of outrage is just so <clears throat> low. We're just outraged at every yeah. tiny little. Gaff. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call this a, a non a non story. He probably and if because it's if he is racist, he's an 80 year old man that grew up in a different time. Not saying that it's okay, but it's not surprising yeah, that he's What's probably he gonna do? racist. And just, yeah, it's, yeah, there's nothing you yep. to say now that's gonna change okay. that. And yeah, it's like yeah, and if they were maybe don't name your kids difficult names, and then we don't have to try and say them. On I air. like it. Well, I remember this is a <laughs> my father. God bless him. I sold their house about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, eight years ago, I think. And um, they insisted in staying in the house for open houses. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm like, I really wish you wouldn't. <laughs> no. But they didn't want to, They didn't want to go. They didn't. They didn't like the thought of people traipsing through their house without, you know, explaining things. How wonderful their, you know, little addition was, and how they replaced the linoleum only 15 years mm. ago. You know, <laughs> only 15. All that stuff. Yeah, you know. So anyway, so I have. I'm, okay, okay, okay. I can't kick you out of your house. All right. <clears throat> So I have the open house. People start coming in. So I, somebody wanted me to show them the lower level. So I go down to the lower level, and I come up this as I'm coming up the stairs, like because I'm I'm nervous about my parents being left mm-hmm. alone with anybody, because you know everything's a reflection on you as a real estate agent. You can lose your license for the smallest little you know complaint. So um, <laughs> anyway, uh, an Eastern Indian com- couple was upstairs talking to my mom and dad about the neighborhood. Um, and they were telling them that there's a pool and walking paths and um, that they have to mow their own lawn. And there's, there's lots of people, no, not lots of people, but a couple of people like you in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, let's not say that. They probably thought we? they were being welcoming Ooh. that way. Exactly. That's exactly what his intention was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I when I grew up, my parents never said one bad thing about a gay person, uh, anybody of any color, creed. Except for me. No, they the really one. didn't. I, I, I just had this conversation with them. I, I said, thank you very much for not acting like that. I really appreciate that. And they're both from small towns. Um, and they never said anything against any ethnic group that I can recall. And, um, you know, so, but I mean, if somebody wanted to take that wrong, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yep. they certainly could have. They could have called my office and lodged a complaint, and I would have had mm-hmm. to sit there and, you know, yep. have a ton of trouble in my life because, you know, some, my 80 something year old father decided to think that he was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, is that a newsworthy story? No, but it probably in order no. to get out, probably yeah, would have gotten yeah taken out of control and if they decided to video it, it and put it on it. YouTube with no context and then go to the news media and say yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly which so, I mean uh, that's that's the whole thing it's just we've just gotten to be so sensitive that we can't even get over yeah. ourselves and if I'm that that Indian couple and talking to your parents and they say yeah there's some people like you I appreciate that now I know that I got some allies in the neighborhood if something goes sideways that you know I right. got some people that I can rely on if I ever need to celebrate yeah. Diwali I know <laughs> I'm covered yeah <laughs> I like it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was like I said, it was with the best intention, but it could have just been totally taken out of context and turned into a yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what this this story sounds like to me. Yeah. You know what's amazing to me? What? I'm looking through, uh, I'm trying to find out the name. You know that story I just read about the disgusting names of these girls from the black high school for mm-hmm. the guy 80 years old or whatever? Mm-hmm. Other than Jayana, they don't mention one of the girls' names. They just left the girls' names out of the story. Why would they do that? I'm guessing that because they're youth. Yeah, and I wonder if like how difficult were were the names. I think that also has an yeah the, impact on the story. Because if it's not difficult names, well then it's probably a racist comment. But if it was actually like super difficult names to pronounce, then mm-hmm. yeah, yeah then I can get. Well, that. that's what I was wondering. Well, like the, those honkies down south named Cleophus. How about them? Yeah, see, I'd say that's what nobody Cleopas names that kid Cleophis. Cleo, his name is Cleophis. You can look no, it up. Not. Did not. No, or, there is too. There's a name Cleophis. I'm here to tell you. Did he get beat you, up a lot? You appear to be right. It's not very no. common. Yeah. What do you know? But it is on names.org. Yeah. Glitter no? man is right. <laughs> Glitter man Glitter strikes face again. Tom. <laughs> Glitter face Tom is right again, ladies Cleophis. and gentlemen. Huh. What does it mean? There are, what does Cleophas mean? There have been 2,000 of them in the U.S. in the past 140 years. Jeez. So it's pretty well, rare, yeah. but it exists. Just rampant. Mm-hmm. That's because it's such a beautiful name. Cleophas. <laughs> what it be like, Cleophas? What's your nickname? But it's a honky Not name. Not Ophus. Well, Cleo. 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 Cleo means Ophus. Um, daughter, doesn't it? No, prize. Cleo means prize. You are right. Because Cleopatra means father's prize, yeah. Uh, Did you guys know that, Cleopatra? It's all I ever do is teach. I should be an instructor. You should. 
See, I would have thought it so was thanks a Pokemon. For jumping in, <laughs> Yeah, thanks for jumping in on you guys. They're like, yeah, don't worry about my feelings, Tevin. Yeah, I can imagine you as as an instructor. What the hell's wrong with you? You don't understand what I'm saying. You're stupid. Get out. Apparently means vision of glory in Greek. So there you go. Vision of glory. Oh, that sounds a lot prettier than Cleophas. Yeah, vision of glory would be good. I have to bring that up to Kostaki. Yes. What's well. with your ugly words? <laughs> what a horrible thing that is. What's wrong with you? Uh, I try to look it up, but they do not say the girl's name. Because see, see, I agree with Tevin. If these names are impossible to pronounce, then why did you come down on this guy? Because he said disgusting. Mm-hmm. I I don't. Do you think he actually meant disgusting? I don't know. No, I pre- if, if if they're actually difficult, I think that he very well could have meant difficult. Well, that, and then that's like the Cleveland yes. Cavaliers basketball coach um, a while back that got in all of that trouble for having the slip of the tongue referring to his te- uh, players on his team as, like, thugs or something like that, but he meant some other word, and it got all blown out of proportion. Hmm. Yes, I said to Catherine last night before I went to bed, give me a thug. I meant hug, honey. And I got all mad. <laughs> she got all mad at me. She was calling me a thug. Calling Catherine. If anybody's thuggy, it's Catherine. <laughs> well, I I'm found the roster. <laughs> Because it's well, you did. Yeah, uh, high school basketball team rosters are online a lot of the time. Okay. There's not a lot of difficult ones, but there are some on here. Uh, the standout one would be Lamariante. See, that which is that's, it's pretty long. That's pretty difficult for an yeah. eight-year-old man to say. Yeah, Lamariante. Mm-hmm. Lamariante. It's a very long name. He meant difficult, not he disgusting. Did. There's also Timir. T y m i e r. I wouldn't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, and that could, that could, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that could the, be. Yeah, they're all French. <laughs> there's Timier, there's Le Morienté. The French <laughs> Le basketball team. D'Entre Daniel. You're damn right. Do they have a, a girl named Tavonet? Uh, no, nothing like that. Like Tevin's sister, Tavonet. Yeah. What well, do you, you think? You know there's a Tavonet somewhere. There's got to be. You have any there's brothers or sisters, Tevin? I don't even know. Uh, that's actually yeah, I have a uh, younger brother and sister, Scotty and Caitlin. Shout out, mm-hmm. Scotty and Caitlin. And then I have a uh, stepsister that lives in Louisiana. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yep. yep. We're all over the place. You're all over the place. All right. So in any case, ladies and gentlemen, we now know that what is it again? What was it? <laughs> Lamariante, I think. See, see, it's difficult. Lamariante. You know, as I was saying before the show started today, Tevin is disgusting, and there. <laughs> he doesn't even react yeah. to it anymore. He's a very disgusting. So person I'm so callous to it now. Tevin has <laughs> learned. Everything is so bad. Tevin's now. learned. That's what, like, working with Tom Bernard. I'm like, you know what? Honestly, I just block, tune it out and wait for my time to yeah. time to talk. Trying to for this. Pay no attention to him at all. It's he's, all I'm saying. Harmless. That's what we're doing. It's all true, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, yeah, I. I don't know. The guy's in his 80s. Did they really have to replace it? I, I think he probably did mean difficult. Dis, what else? Dis, what else dysfunctional. Dis, dysfunctional. These names are dysfunctional. We have a break here, don't we, Andy? In a minute. In one minute? I just wanted to make sure. About that. Um, I say, and, see, they, and they ran him out during the middle of the game, too? Halftime, yeah. Yeah, yep, halftime. He's like he didn't have a heart attack. Right. Can you imagine if he hey, we got to pull you out. Oh, my God. And he has a heart attack and dies on the spot. That wouldn't be good, yeah. would it? No, not at all. Hey, Cleophis, uh, we need you to step aside. <laughs> We've got somebody else that's going to call the rest Cleophis. of this game. Yeah, when are we going to get back to the, you know, some kindness and some giving somebody the benefit of the doubt? When are we going to get back to that? Ever? I don't mm. think so. No, I don't think we'll give anybody the benefit of the doubt because there's too much for me to lose. If it hurts me, then I'd rather hurt you first. Because, I mean, I've had Disgusting. people say weird things, you know, and you're like, what do you mean by that? You know, not like, a, what do you mean by that? But it's like, what are you, what are you trying to say? And then right. they explain what they were trying to say, and it's a completely different thing than the, what they were saying. Remember when John Cleese played the wizard in, I believe it was, the Holy Grail? Mm-hmm. Yes. John Cleese. Wizard, what is it they call you? And he goes, some call me Tim. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, very scary wizard name of Tim. <laughs> they were so funny back in the day. It was unbelievable. Oh, we do have to take a break here now. We now. We'll be back. One more segment right after this with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Was your New Year's resolution to work out at the gym to lose weight? Now it's almost March and you haven't shed a pound? Well, do what I did. Let the coaches at Ultimate Weight Loss help you lose weight fast. With the help of Ultimate Weight Loss, I lost 41 pounds, another 42 pounds in each of my first two 40-day programs, and I didn't have to exercise. Summer will be here before you know it. So start now, look great, and feel even better by losing 20 to 40 pounds with the help of my friends at Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss, powered by Nutramost. Due to the tremendous success of their clients, they are now opening a Woodbury location. That's on March 2nd. They will then have three locations to serve you in Plymouth, Edina, and Woodbury. Starting today, live your healthiest life. Schedule an immediate consultation. Call Ultimate Weight Loss, powered by Nutramost, 763-333-7337, 763-333-7337, or go to their website, ultimatewl.com. That's ultimatewl.com. Many nights. Come on, belt it out. Let's go. Okay, I have to ask you guys a question. I asked Mom this last night, and I didn't know, and she didn't know. But there was a uh, a march. It was a topless march. Women uh, marching topless because they are forced to wear shirts when men don't have to wear shirts. Mm. And I told you my argument would be, if if the reason that women have to wear tops and men don't is because you can see their breasts, not just their nipples, then why do women have to wear pants and men should wear pants? Because you can see the Schwanstucker, but you can't see anything with women. I think so most men wear should pants? wear shirts. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, I think that should be a law. What are you looking at me for? <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> staring at me. Everybody uh, just know. wear shirts. How about that? Don't worry about my feelings. I'll just be here <laughs> taking a punch. You know. It's just how things go. I'm talking about you <sighs> no, in particular. I think most people... Oh, here's the question I did have for you. So I'm watching... It, it was on uh, World's Worst Videos or World's Worst... World's Dumbest Videos. That's what it's called. Oh, God. You love that show. It is very, very funny. But there was an Asian woman marching in this topless march. And on her breastbone... You couldn't see her breasts because they were you know, blurred out because it was broadcast television. But on her breastbone, she had a tattoo of a of the Star of David, right? The menorah. They got the Star of David. Isn't it called? The menorah is the candle. Oh, light the menorah. You're right. What am I thinking? What's the Star of David called again? The Star of David. Oh, the sure. Mogan David. The Mogan yeah. David. That's yep. what it's called. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. So, yeah, light Drew, the, the menorah. That's different. Judy's been so nuts this whole show. It's a, I don't even know what the hell he's so nuts about. He knows it's ending. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. He's like, it's getting close to the end, and he's going he's to start starting to make dinosaur noises. So anyway, explain this to me, because I don't get it. So this woman has the Star of David tattooed on her chest, but you know when the lines cross over and they make that little pentagon or whatever mm-hmm. it is in the middle? Mm-hmm. The hexagon. Is it a hexagon? Yeah. Yeah, probably with six points, I suppose it would be a hexagon. Um, there's a swastika. So she's like, an Asian why Jewish would you have Nazi a... feminist? Jeez. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I don't, I don't get it. I'm I mean, why, why, would you put, why would you put a Nazi symbol, the swastika, inside the Star of David? I don't get that. I feel she may be crazy. Yeah, yeah there's very possibility she's nuts. Yeah, I, I saw it and went, and I said, Catherine, why the hell would you do that? Like I'd know. Then you didn't. How would I know? Let's see. <laughs> I wonder, it's probably like the symbol of some organization that has 50 members. And then, yeah, probably. It probably doesn't mean anything. Probably not. At least it seemed like an easy area for her to cover up. I remember the first time I saw a swastika tattooed on somebody, it was this white guy, and he had it 
tattooed on the back of his head. And I was like, why? Oh, God. Why would you put that there? Like, He's saying the Nazism is behind him. He's a changed yeah. man. <laughs> ah, I found it. Exactly See? Benefit of the doubt. That's exactly what it was. It, was. Uh, it is called Rialism. And yes, their uh, logo used to be a Star of David with a swastika inside it, but not the Nazi okay. swastika, the other one. Because the swastika's been what around for one? hundreds of years. It's been, it was an Indian thing, it was yeah, an Asian was, thing, yeah. you know. So, yep. um, but it's a movement that says that life on Earth was created scientifically by a species of extraterrestrials called the Elohim. Oh my, oh my God. Wack-a-doodle-baby. So basically, like the Bible, you know, like the angels and the gods and all that, they were the Elohim, yeah. which were aliens who came here. They did make humans and the animals and everything, but they weren't gods, they were aliens. Why the Star uh, yeah. of David and the swastika, okay. I don't really know. I don't really understand. Yeah. It's called the what? The Rielism. Rielism. The symbol of Rielism. R-A-E with an umlaut over it, L. I think that's Rael, I assume. It's one of those Rael. disgusting Rael. names of a... <laughs> it's a very disgusting religion. name. <clears throat> I would imagine it's probably true. I, I just I saw that and I went, why would you do that? Well, there's 100,000 members, and they're headquartered in Switzerland. So, I don't know. What? Switzerland? Oh, I don't know. I thought they'd try to stay neutral on most things. What happened? <laughs> not this time. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. Kevin's on Travago. How much is a flight to Switzerland? Forget going down to uh, Cancun or wherever you guys go for KQ. Take a trip out to Switzerland for the next remote. remote oh, trip. I love Switzerland. I wouldn't mind going to, well, except for the flight. I don't know. No, the flight's not that bad, actually. You just sleep the whole way. Yep. You might, but I don't. Just knock yourself oh, out. Oh, you'd sleep. You'd be fine. Don't worry about a Take thing. Take an Ambien, wake up, you're done there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly right. Everything, but most people do. You're all set. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. You're all set, go ready to, the, to go. Seriously, you can go to the doctor and say, i got a long-haul flight, two of them. Can That's I get a couple of ambience? They're like, here you go. Uh-oh, we got to see if we made the list. The 10 hardest working cities in America. Oh, they all got to be think? Midwest cities. They're probably, well, you, yeah. You think so? But I, I don't so. know about Minneapolis. I've not seen them. Okay, here we go. You ready? Number 10 is Plano, Texas. Midwest. Number 9 is Austin, Texas. Midwest. Number 8, this, oh, this, this list is total bullshit. <laughs> Paid number for by eight Texas? Is, no, it's Washington, D.C.'s number 8. Yeah, yeah hardest working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy God, Corpus Christi, Texas. Three of the first four are in Texas. Well, Texans work Norfolk, hard. Virginia. Then you got Irving, Texas, another place in Texas. Yeah. Oh, this list is getting more ridiculous by the Los minute. Angeles. Cheyenne, Wyoming is good. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. San Francisco. Mm. Hardest working. Well, they got to shovel a lot of poop. That's hard work. Shovel up the poop. I forgot. Yeah. But the hardest working place in America is Anchorage, Alaska. I was actually going to say Juneau, but. Hey. Those oil Why? fields, the oil fields. The people, oh yeah, the coastal fishing? cities yeah, in Alaska. All of the yeah, the fishermen, uh, the dock yeah. workers. It's it's a very hard life out there. Oh, is it really? Oh, I yeah. wonder what they'd consider like the hardest working. Like, what, yeah, what's is it the most work? difficult jobs that they're doing yeah. for a long period of time, yeah. or just hours spent yeah. sitting in the office typing put, a computer? Yeah, seventy hours in, but your job is like you know cookie tester right you know, you're not working hard <laughs> i suppose i want that job i suppose it's true ladies and gentlemen i guess ladies and gentlemen that's what well, we learn something every day don't we well mm-hmm. i don't i know um, it all we learned about rialism andy, andy <laughs> do you true. know who marge Doucet is uh no how do you spell Doucet? A veteran soap opera actress, uh, Marge Doucet, oh, a veteran soap opera actress who mostly, uh, most notably carved a name for herself in Star Trek, has died. She was quite a woman. So who, Marge was born and raised in Russell, Kansas, where she attended Kansas University, but it doesn't say who she played. Oh, she was in the original Star Trek, which is why I didn't. The very first, oh, you never watched the original one? No, not really. I watched all the other ones. Um... 
She collaborated with Richard Dreyfuss to do a television comedy pilot together after that Marge was sold on film and television. But mm. it uh, oh, here we go. But Marge made her first memorable appearance in the original Star Trek series in the episode Spock's Brain. Marge played Kara, an alien who removed and stole Spock's brain and took it to her own planet. I love it. Yeah, it's very original Star stole Trek. Stole Spock's brain. <laughs> he stole his brain. <laughs> and yet he did not die. Mm. There's oh. no getting around it. His brain. Yeah, he didn't die without a brain. How's that? No. Spoiler alert. Well, it is the future. You can do pretty much anything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's a very good point. There's no question about that. Um, God. Uh, avoiding political comments that are just obnoxious as oh, hell. Good luck. <laughs> You can't just, do it. Whatever. And they're all insane. They're all insane. Oh, there you go. It's uh, it's on Newsmax. My buddy Christopher uh, Ruddy. Christopher owns Newsmax. He a uh, pretty decent guy. Pretty smart guy, to tell you the truth. His news service is now, I think, like the third biggest one in the country. Mm. Something like that. Then Catherine, of course. Uh, Saber heating and plumbing. Oh, is it there Steve or Tatiana? No, it's the they're trying to schedule something for oh, me. Oh, schedule it. The I got to call them. Garage now. deal. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah, mom's just, you know, upset in the apple cart. We're trying to do a show. Can we get it done? No. No. What? Your mom's a disaster. Setting off little jingle bells and all that stuff so she doesn't have to work anymore. Okay, glitter man. <laughs> She's never going to get over calling me glitter man. Yeah. Are you? It's perfect Are you? for you. It's perfect. Uh, Glitter man. Ladies and gentlemen, oh my God. Today, oh, today is that uh, celebration of life for Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Oh, God. Beyonce performed. That's terrible. Oh, did she? Yeah, it's going on right now. Apparently, she performed one of his favorite songs. Oh, man. That's Um, just really rough. Did you see the. I don't understand this. I got to be very, very honest with you. Why he hired this pilot, I will never know. You know, the three years prior, it was three or four years prior, he got uh, he got hammered because this guy in a helicopter flew over LAX, which you can't no, do in a helicopter. You don't do that. How does he still have his pilot's license? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, now he's killed, you know, Kobe Bryant and his lovely daughter and all those mm-hmm. other. How many? What? Like, it was a it total was, of nine people or something. Yeah, eight or nine people. Yeah, eight or nine people. I mean, the guy. Yeah, he he got raked over the coals for flying a helicopter over an airport. The hell are you doing? Mm. Was it a shortcut? God, <laughs> you get so. it. I Look just at don't Oprah Winfrey's it. face at the farewell. Farewell. Oh, is that the farewell? Yeah. Oh. She knows the camera's on her. <laughs> I can tell you that. Oh, she's fake crying. You're yeah, a right. A fake crying there. It's not real crying. She's fake crying. It's like Oprah. Would you settle down? I told her. I, I said, look. I know you're inspired by Tevin Pittman, but you got to stop doing these things. But she won't listen to me. No, yeah. She really took what I started for her and really ran with it. I'm proud of what she's you really been able did. to do. Yeah. That's true. I think she'd give me a little I kickback know. every once in a while, but. Well, i got to be honest with you. All you do is give, 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 and what does it get you? Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm used. Andy, what time do we have to be out? Three minutes. All right, I just wanted to make sure. What were you saying, Tevin? Oh, no, nothing. But, uh, yeah, just was looking at some of the stuff from the Kobe Bryant Memorial. Oh, yeah. Do you want to hear hear Vanessa Bryant speaking? Oh, I don't know. I couldn't even imagine what she's she's going through. Oh, God, her little (laughs) baby girl. Yeah. Her husband, her little baby girl. That's uh, uh, really terrible. I don't know. I couldn't do it. I don't know. Got to be very, very honest mm. with you. All right, let's cheer things up a little bit. Did you watch the Twins game yesterday, Tevin? Uh, I did not, but if it was anything like the rest of Minnesota sports, I'm assuming they just absolutely got annihilated. No, 5-5 five to five tie. Well, they were up 4 to nothing, and then they ended up tying 5-5. to five. Oh, I suppose because it's spring training, so they don't really care right. who wins or loses. Right. Oh, my God. I, I think it popped up on the screen just now that uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, widow is suing the helicopter company. Good. Kobe's she... widow sues helicopter operator for deaths. Yeah, she did sue. My God, is she a beautiful woman. Oh, How yeah. sad. 
Very, very, very sad that that uh, just had to happen. I, I whatever. But in any case, so you didn't watch a Twins game yesterday. No. Um, I still I'm wondering about their bullpen. But you're right. Our teams in Minnesota, what and the Timberwolves and oh the, the Wild spend money and they never win. No. What the hell is that? The, yeah, the Wolves, they pretty much are just tanking for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, they kind the, of are. The Wild, I'm pretty sure they lost like 3-1 to one last night as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of money will get spent and then there's not a lot of uh, wins to show for it. It's very, very frustrating to be a Minnesota fan. Why do you think it did not? Basketball, I understand. There are not a lot of basketball players that want to play basketball in mm-hmm. Minnesota. You know, no matter how much money the Timberwolves spend, they don't want to play here. They right. just don't. Now, hockey, it's the state of hockey. Why, why don't you get all the best players in hockey? Yeah, you would think that we would have endorsement money. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's still, even if they're hockey players, they'd want to live where there's more opportunity for endorsements right. and, and things like that in their personal career. So. And it's, I don't know, we've just never been a perennial. I think the state of hockey is a nickname that's been given to Minnesota that I don't think has quite been earned on the professional level. Like high school sports or high school hockey, that's probably the reason we have that nickname. But professionally, we've definitely not lived up to the. Like Las Vegas got a team for what? a day and they won a championship before we did. (laughs) I know, (laughs) it's unbelievable. It was about a day. Yeah, it was about that long. No doubt about it. Do you see that uh, Tom Brady wants a two-year uh, contract with the Patriots? I did not, but I would. I mean, I would give it to him if I was them. I'm sure that he's already there. Will sign that in a heartbeat because Bob Kraft loves think. Tom Brady as he should. You are correct. All right, that's going to do it. Tevlar, hell of a job, Andy. Thank, thank you, you. Mm-hmm. Catherine. Thanks for the glitter on my face. I anytime, it. anytime. <laughs> And we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.